welcome back to Cover B. Special episode. Special episode. Real extra. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. <laughs> I'm excited. So we're going to be talking about Shazam. Shazam! I just love saying it. Shazam! I yeah. hope there's like a million sequels just so that I can continue <coughs> to just Shazam all the time. So we went out and saw this. It is very good. Uh, just a reminder that because we're splitting these up, this is not a spoiler-free review, so there will be spoilers as we discuss this movie. So what did you think, T? I really enjoyed it. Um, I appreciated just about all of it. I feel like I wasn't fully aware going in about anything about this movie. Mm. Like, I had very baseline... this. It's surprising to me because this is one of the few movies I've seen in a really long time that really didn't give away that much in the trailer. Like, yeah. Yeah, they true. actually did a really good job of pulling in like two really funny bits from the movie, but it wasn't the only funny bits. Mm. And they didn't really reveal a lot of the cast. They didn't really reveal a lot of the context. Mm -hmm. It was actually very good, a, a very good job done. Um, keeping some level of mystery around yeah. this movie. So that was nice. I think uh, the cool thing about this movie that I'm sure the filmmakers felt is that Shazam, kind of in general, even with like a lot of DC fans, is not a very well-known character. And like his rogues gallery and villains and whatnot, not very well-known. Yeah. You know, and um, this is just how it is. I've, I've talked to plenty of people like, Plenty of people that read DC Comics on the regular that are like, yeah, I don't know much about Shazam. And that's kind of freeing in its own way. You, The characters aren't qualified because of who they are. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I feel point. like sometimes in superhero movies when there's like a villain reveal, it's like, call me this name. And it's like, they're there so that people could be like, oh man, I love that character. You know, yeah. like, oh, that villain's awesome. Oh, snap. I and I think, him. you know, that leads to problems. Like, I think a lot of the Spider Man movies run into that because they're like, you know, it'd be cool, a Green Goblin. And then they like throw a Green Goblin in so that they can have the like Green Goblin reveal. So right. that people will be like, oh man. Like, I, I feel like a lot of times characters are introduced and it's very fan servicey. Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, it's then super haphazard. Yeah, yeah. Like they well, because don't I, I feel develop like, the character well. He's yeah, just there as a as a. They don't. <gasps> yeah, they moment. don't put the effort into making it because it's like they don't put the effort into developing the character in a way where he becomes like valuable. Yeah. Because he already has value because of who he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I feel like that shows in this movie. They did a great job making you like making the villain worthwhile. Yeah. Um, and making Shazam worthwhile, and then eventually they introduce the Shazamily, which is so cute, <laughs> guys. It's I was surprised. Admittedly, I don't know why. I knew they were gonna do something with the family, but mm -hmm. I legitimately didn't see it coming. Like I feel kind of dumb that I didn't see it coming, but they did a good job of kind of distracting you enough with everything else going mm -hmm. on that it didn't even dawn on me. Yeah, like I like that they got like legitimate actors for the shazam family too because it um you know it's not just going to be like a throwaway thing so when they do like more shazam there's going to be more shazamily yeah it definitely cool. wasn't one and done i feel like some of the members of the shazamily are actually maybe more well known than zachary is yeah yeah because it, it was like adam brody was yeah. one of them and megan good it was, was awesome them, so. um no it was really good i think um like I said, I, I think the thing that stands out to me the most is how they put a lot of effort into making you, like, respect the characters, like, relate to the characters, making the villain intimidating and daunting without being, like, overly cheesy, you know? And um, it's it's cool. It's a cool movie because it opens with the villain's origin. Yeah, which and I thought is that was really yeah. See. I thought that was really interesting because you don't yeah you don't really see that. Sometimes the villain's origin will pertain to the heroes, but it's usually like we've already seen the hero kind of like kicking about, and then, you know, and yeah. then 
the villain pops up but it's literally this movie opens with the villain as a kid experiencing yeah yeah experiencing the trauma that like turns him into the villain eventually and it's it's kind of cool because in a way it makes him sympathetic but they never play on that sympathy that you know was something I mean? that i thought was really cool too because i so something that i'm uh, weirded out by the joker movie is how inherently sympathetic they're making him yeah like they show him taking care of his mom and they show him getting beat up by bad mean guys and they show him just trying to be a good person and and make people laugh and to me part of what makes the joker so terrifying is that he's not sympathetic he's absolutely insane mm-hmm. and in this they set him up like oh he had a hard life but at the same time a lot of the trauma you see between him and his dad in the car while mild abuse maybe is also not inherently something you wouldn't have seen happen to someone else you know yeah yeah. like it's not so traumatic or or consistent that it strikes you as like oh man of course that kid was gonna go crazy and be evil he was just bound to it it's more like well yeah okay his dad's a dick but like lots of people had dads who were dicks like it's not it's not like he has special trauma in that instance he just you know he was being a little bit of a shit and so his dad treated him like that yeah i mean there was you know there's an extent to it where you know we find out that his dad blamed him for the car accident and his dad gets paralyzed by the car accident and apparently like blamed him for years so he had a rough childhood but i i i think what like i said what i and this goes all in on mark strong's uh portrayal of dr savannah but like you know they never make him like once he gets his power so he's like obsessed with like getting this power that he once saw when he was a kid and he wants to like figure out how to get back to this magical place and steal this eye that has all this power with it and then he wants to use that power to friggin take over the world essentially and at no point is it like you know he even goes and like straight murders his brother and dad yep who we saw being assholes to him in the beginning of the movie and at no point is it like if only you had just loved me daddy you know what i mean like no. it's literally just like hey fools i got power now get the f out you Don't know you, <laughs> like you think you have power but you don't i do yeah yeah and i think that's really cool like i think a good villain doesn't necessarily like i think sympathetic villains or complex villains like thanos can be good um but i think like you said what makes the joker so scary is that he isn't a sympathetic villain. Like, no. he's not sympathetic. And I think that's fine. I think it's okay for villains to be just straight up bad people. And this guy was like, hey, I want power. I want to, like, steal this magical power. He steals it, and then he's like, cool, I'm evil now, you know? Yeah. And it's like, not everybody has, like, deep down good intentions or, like, a deep down vendetta. Sometimes they just want to watch the world burn yeah tangerine (laughs) can we also please talk about how the monsters Mm -hmm. utilized by mark strong's villain are horrifying yeah they're terrifying i i was really shocked yeah you go into this movie from the uh previews kind of expecting it to be like a light-hearted romp and it's going to be kind of silly and it's more family oriented feeling. Mm-hmm. And then you get in there and these villains are, they would have been wonderful fodder for an actual horror movie. Like it, they are terrifying. Yeah, they there are. are jump scares. Yeah. Well, and they're, they're the seven deadly sins and like they really went in on that. They dedicated. Thing. So like greed has multiple like grabby arms and it's real creepy and freaking um, <clears throat> freaking lust has a big like whippy tangly tongue and stuff and it's like Ugh. and gluttony looks like oh, yeah. a boomer from oh, left yeah. for and dead and literally like his mouth is his stomach he, like, yeah. blah, like 
at one point he like sh- like roars at someone running away and it just like opens up it's, it's like, so gross it's so terrifying like it, it would be great in like an actual horror yeah, movie yeah it, it reminded me of like creatures you would have seen in cabin in the woods yeah yeah, yeah i would have been shocked if i was like let me bring my little billy to this like i imagine there were probably gonna be some like reports of kids being like oh Completely you know I mean? traumatized by those villains because they were I didn't think they were actually because they had these in the beginning. They had these like statues of the seven deadly sins, and they yeah. were these horrible looking monsters. And I was like, "There's no way they're actually gonna like you show those. that shit on screen." They did, and then they did. It's yeah. horrifying, but it was great. It um, yeah. The I mean, with the monsters, the graphics that they put into it, and, and like the art design was really good. I agree. It's, it's honestly like. I'm constantly bitching about art design in horror movies these days. And I'm like, this is the stuff we need in horror <laughs> movies. It's true. Like, it was no, no more painted weirdo. body painted weirdos. Like, let's get shit like this in horror movies. This is awesome. Um, so that was really cool. And it, it helped, you know, make him a really intimidating villain. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, just Mark Strong's villain performance was so good. I love him. Like he's just I yeah I he's one of those actors that I would be perfectly happy if he was in every single movie. Like every movie I go to see, if he was in it, I would be like totally on board. But he um, God, he just did so good as just this like, he wasn't like overly like campy. No, he wasn't. Surprisingly, he wasn't like, you know, overly bombastic as villains yeah as villains can be he was very calm and very like direct and i think that's what like sold it really sold it is that he just kind of like he like hovers down and he's like ah so you're the champion and then just starts wailing on this dude yeah it's not like a whole lot of like build up or anything it's just kind of like he's here and he's got a mission and he's gonna do it and then the one time he does start to make a like hero or a villain spiel and start doing his long chat they make an entire joke sequence out of it Mm -hmm. because then shazam can't hear him because they're too far away yeah which is a really interesting point Mm -hmm. because you don't think about it but that's kind of true in a lot of circumstances you got superman and somebody else like facing off they're like half a mile away from each other in the air how are they hearing sometimes each other? they're even in space yeah and it's like how are you that how doesn't that make happen? sense i think and that's um you know that's what i wanted to move on to next i think it's it's funny because i remember when suicide squad was coming out and everyone was hoping it was going to have an r rating and everybody was like this is going to be dc's deadpool like suicide squad is going to be dc's deadpool i argue that shazam is dc's deadpool I can see it's that. very aware of the medium you know what I mean? It doesn't waste a lot of time trying to, like, ground itself in reality. Yeah. And it's very meta in its own way. You know what I mean? Agreed. Like, they spend, they literally spend all this time trying to come up with a name for him. And if you don't know about the history of Shazam in comics, there's a lot of drama around his name. Because he was originally Captain Marvel. And then there was... Some like lawsuit shit that came up and he had to lose that name yep. and thus become Shazam. And so they spend a good portion of the movie calling him like Captain Sparklefingers <laughs> and like Thundercrack and stuff like that. That sounds like butt stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, that's kind of like a, like I imagine they probably wanted to have like a Captain Marvel joke in there, but maybe they couldn't get that to work because Disney lawyers. But yeah. it, um. Yeah, that's a bit of you know, it, it was there. It was very, like, it wouldn't have surprised me if they were, like, if it was, like, Billy and Freddy at a movie theater and they walked past, like, a Captain Marvel poster and, like, looked at it and, like, looked at each other and were, like, nah. nah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or, or, like, what a weird name or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it, it was very aware of itself. So you had the, like, part where he's, like, Dr. Savannah is monologuing and shazam just can't hear him and is like what i can't i see your mouth moving but i can't hear you and it's hilarious and it's like it, it was just cool how aware of the medium this movie was like i agree when the two flying super strong super villains were like fighting each or superhero and supervillain were fighting each other um they like took it way above the skyline they weren't like blasting each other through buildings and like right. knocking buildings down and shit and um you know, he didn't kill anybody. 
Zach. Uh, and, you know, they, like, when he's trying to learn his powers, like, it just kind of, like, happens. He doesn't, like, immediately know how everything works. No. You know what I mean? And it's just, it's so cool. Like, it's just a very aware, and there's Superman references, there's Batman references. There's a lot of Batman references. there's tons of stuff that connects it to the universe in kind of, like, a fun goofy way again i'm reminded of like the deadpool 2 cameo of the entire like x-men cast where they just like shut the the door door. yeah Yeah. so it's it's like stuff like that where it knows it's in this universe with this shit but it's like its own thing and it's kind of like jokingly commenting on how it's i don't know like how it's like not as top tier as these other things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which There's... is ironic because this is getting such a better reception than literally all of the other yeah. movies. Well, and, it, you know, the very last final credits thing, so there's two credits things. One of them sets up a sequel, but the if you stay to the end of the credits, he takes shots at Aquaman. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like they're in this world, and they know they're in this world, but they know that they're kind of the more, like, I guess humorous part of this outlandish maybe and I liked it I really enjoyed the art direction of this movie in that it's not like visually dark Mm -hmm. so what I mean by that is that so when they talked about Suicide Squad before it actually appeared all of the previews were like you know neon colors Mm -hmm. and, and bright this and this happening but the movie itself was still Sort of super dark and yeah, dirty and drabby. Yeah, everything and, was like dark and hazy. And everything happened at night. And it's all, I like, I feel like every movie I watch that's like, you know, Zack Snyder and, and, yeah, yeah. and the Suicide Squad movie, like, it's all just sort of like got this weird muddy film over the yeah, top yeah, it's of it. Like, it's like you show up to a rave 45 minutes early. Yeah, like, it's not... It's like, there's all this industrial stuff, and you can see that there's colors everywhere, but it hasn't really, like, popped off, so it's just kind of, like, dark and hazy. Yeah. Like, the guy like, who Mwah. who they rented the smog machine from set it up early, so that's going. Yeah. So everything's nice and smoggy, and, like, everyone, like, the people who are there are dressed in, like, colorful, ripped clothing, but, like, nothing's really happening yet. Yeah, it's just sort of like, oh, okay. Yeah. But this movie, like, I feel like most of it happens in the day. Mm-hmm. And even the part that happens predominantly in the evening is super lit up with, like, Christmas trees and the yeah. fair. And there's just, yeah. there's a lot of light. Like, even the lair has this intense, like, bright backlight kind of, like, aura it. to it. Yeah. yeah. And in the scenes when, in the very, very beginning, when uh, Mark Strong, baby Mark Strong <laughs> character is headed to the shazam lair it's it's dark and it's dark in the car and it's dark outside and it's dark on the road to the to the thing when the um frost comes up on the windows but everything's still like strongly lit Mm -hmm. like nothing ever feels drabby nothing ever feels dingy and dark and and broody there's none of that brood mm-hmm. which is so refreshing yeah, yeah like it's nice that's one of the reasons why i love the arrowverse representation of dc because if you watch like the flash like arrow itself can get sort of drabby but flash is always just very well represented as like hey the sun comes out still yeah, yeah. and you're like oh that's nice oh, neat yeah <laughs> yeah i'm perfectly convinced that starling city does not have a sun like the sun just like comes up and there's just this like band of shade that just like <laughs> over it's because Starling City. City is Gotham because they wanted to make Arrow Batman they just weren't yeah. allowed to pull the trigger yeah. <laughs> and so, Gotham has no sun <laughs> I know one thing that's weirding out a lot of people who haven't seen this movie yet is how Shazam looks you know obviously like Zachary Levy got in shape for this role but I think a lot of it is padded, so he's, like, padded and kind of inflated yeah. to look very, like, bulbous in his muscular <laughs> stuff. But, you know, it makes sense to me, and it's always made sense to me, and they actually cover it a bit in the movie. Because, um, like, if you're a 14-year-old kid, and you're suddenly given all these, like, powers by this wizard, and you can say a word to turn into a superhero, you're probably going to turn into what you... Like, I imagine there's an element of, like, 
you're turning into what you envision as a superhero. Yeah, your perfect representation of yourself. Yeah, say he had picked somebody who was, like, really into the Flash. Like, 100% Flash fan. His Shazam might end up looking a little bit more, like, lithe and, like, lanky. Because Flash is kind of lithe and lanky. You know what I mean? Because he runs. But, like, you know, this kid... You know, they talk a bunch in the early bit about how everyone knows who Superman is and stuff like that. So that's probably what's locked in his mind. And he's a 14-year-old kid. So it makes sense that his, like, superhero form, quote-unquote, would be kind of cartoonish. Well, and if you think about it, too, there's some depth to that as well. Because, of course, he's, like, you know Superman's around, you know Batman's around, but he picks Superman, and there's this weird... Um, connection he has to Superman by like stealing the bu- Freddy's bullet and stuff like that and I think part of that is that he's going to see himself in Superman because Superman was a foster kid mm-hmm. Superman landed and had to be taken in by well, people who were I mean, his he, parents he doesn't know that they don't know that in this world that's true you know what I mean that's... we know that but well, but we know also that. know that he's he's an alien on this planet. They know that Superman yeah, yeah, yeah. is his own. He he doesn't have, quote unquote, a home. Yeah. Like they know Krypton doesn't exist. They know that he is here as a refugee, and those sorts of behaviors, whether they know a secret identity or not, mm-hmm. they know that that's relatable because our character Billy always feels like he's an outsider. Yeah. He always feels alone. Well, and it's it's like I said, they actually end up kind of like giving that theory some justice later on because so when the shazam family happens they all kind of turn into things that their individual bits would probably you know see as like superhero form right so like you know mary turns into mary marvel and she's not excessively like fit looking or puffy you know what i mean like she's not particularly swole she's got like a skirt she's very just like elegant looking you know what i mean and like i think mary in this she's going to college so she's supposed to be like 18 or whatever right that's probably what she would see as like the ideal like super person you know and then there's like pablo is this like big kid like big tubby kid and they say early on that his goal is to get swole you know and so when he changes he's like easily the most muscular out of all of them oh, he's yeah. got like huge guns and he even like comments like check out these guns you know <laughs> and then freddy like billy kind of just turns into another like kind of general superman-esque but the thing. first thing he can do is fly yeah, yeah because he wants to be as mobile as he yeah. can well and the the asian kid eugene i think his name was He's, like, the shortest out of everybody with the exception of um, the youngest one whose name I can't remember. Darla. Darla. Uh, who's adorable. Darla's so uh, cute. Oh, my gosh. But uh, he gets, he's now the tallest. Like, he becomes really freaking tall. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's almost like, it's kind of Space Jam-esque in that they, like, yeah, all got kind of, like, the appropriate powers. And so I think that kind of justifies it a bit in that, like... You know, even though they're transforming and these powers were given to them by this guy, they have some element of control based off of what their, like, ideal is yeah. on, like, you know, what they can do and what they look like when right. they transform. Um, back to the topic of Darla. Awesome. I love so Darla. Good. <laughs> yeah, Darla and Freddy... They're gonna blow they, yeah, up as actors. Of the like, of the wow. yeah of the kid actors, I don't know how much like I haven't looked at all the kids' Wikipedia or in IMDb pages, so I don't know like how much they've done already. But I'm gonna be shocked if the kids playing Freddy and Darla don't like start popping up all over the place. A yeah. la like the Stranger Things kids, how yes. they're like popping up all over the place. Those two need to pop up, like especially Freddy. That kid ate up. He was so good. Like, he was so charming, and just, like, all his lines were great, and he just had such good chemistry with, such good chemistry with Zach, and, like, it was just awesome. It was so good. It was very impressive. That kid was really, really good. Kid who played Billy, like, I gotta admit, he's a little bit clunky. He's kind of got, like, a young Tobey Maguire thing going for him, though, so I think... You know, I'd like to see him do more, but I, I'd like to see anybody in this film do more, to be honest. But And not to put it in a negative way, but 
I could see Billy doing very well in the um, romantic comedy, romantic drama space. Yeah, he fair. seems just primed for Nicholas Sparks stuff. Like, he's just, <laughs> yeah. he is perfect for that lane. He's got that face of someone looking wistfully out into a Connecticut, like, water. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, it's true. Staring longingly out into a lake in northern Maine. Where a girl on the other side of the lake doesn't know he's there, but can feel his presence. <laughs> I got a little twilight. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, they all do now. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see what else. I loved... Uh, I think this is really cool because like, so there's this bad habit of super people where they just like don't have parents. It's kind of like the, um, you know, it's kind of like the, uh, the like princess thing where they like don't have moms. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So there's usually like some sort of trauma about, so like even Superman has parents, like, the Kents are his parents. Right. But, like, you know, that's on the guys, like, on built on top of the foundation of his planet was destroyed. His entire family was obliterated in a painful, chaotic way. Yep. So, at least I have parents. So, it's, like, it's still a lot of drama there. Um, what I loved about this one is, you know, aside from it just being, like, this movie and, you know, Shazam's story kind of in general being really good for like supporting like foster care and like getting good people in there to like run foster care and stuff like that um is that he has parents yeah you know what i mean like he got left by his mom and it was really traumatic and he eventually finds her and finds out that it was not how he remembered it yeah and she didn't want him and had a traumatic relationship with with her dad or with his dad yeah and they weren't together and you know so he he has parents like he has a parental thing but he also has this foster family that's amazing that are amazing and are his parents you know so he's a superhero who's not superheroing because of trauma caused by his parents i guess is what i'm getting at you know what i mean like you see like Spider-Man, Uncle Ben dies, so I'm going to be a superhero. Batman, my parents died, so I'm going to be a superhero. Superman, my dad died, my, or my mom and dad died, sent me to this planet so I could be a superhero. You know what I mean? Like It's almost like he's a, Shazam's <clears throat> a superhero in spite of yeah, yeah. his parental trauma. Honestly, yeah, his parental trauma should be a good reason for him to give up. Yeah, to not be but, a superhero, or to not be, like viable yeah to be shazam and i think you know that's a big point of this movie obviously is that family is family can come in different shapes and sizes yep but that doesn't invalidate the The family family. i love the shazamly they're great i love his foster parents they are awesome people they really did a good job making these people just super awesome and sometimes you can have like in like screenwriting and when people like try to put on screen and they really try to force like these are nice people who want to help it can feel a little like heavy-handed yeah a little gaudy i think is the word where they're like oh sweetie we just want to help and they're like very like mushy gushy and these people are not that they're very casual they're like hey we want to love you we want you to find this as your home but you know you got to do it at your own pace it might be years from now you know and, like, he runs, like, Billy runs away at one point or, like, disappears. It's during the whole, like, he's becoming Shazam. And they're, like, stressed out about it. But they're like, you know what? He'll come back. We'll find him. Mary ran away twice. Yes. Yeah. Like, we're gonna we're going to find him. We're going to welcome him back with open arms and, like, stuff like that. We're the first people that are going to take him back. Yeah, yeah. And, but they're not afraid to put, like, a heavy hand. Because, like, it, he gets caught skipping school to do Shazam stuff. They obviously don't know it's to do Shazam stuff. But they lecture him. They're like, hey, you can't do that. You can't skip class. You gotta get an education. And they give him, like, a full-on, like, talking to, like, an adult. And they're just good parents. Like, they, the writers of this movie did such a good job making these people into just really good parents. And it's interesting 
to me, because sometimes when you have movies like this where you're introducing someone into a new family, it it can feel forced when eventually the lead character accepts the family as their own. Yeah. Like sometimes it feels very fabricated. Yeah. But they did a good job in this one demonstrating and representing him enough in the family, in circumstances, because there's moments when they like put their hands together before dinner and he doesn't want to participate. But toward the end of it, he starts to like look at it like maybe I want to put my hands in. Like you see him start wanting to accept this family, but being so stubborn that he won't before he talks to his mom and then is like, no, yeah, I'm totally all in with this family. You see him reacting to like the cool things that this family does, you know, like Darla, a hugger she's constantly hugging people and she's just like generally adorable and like eugene helps them like find his mom you know because he's like a computer guy so yep. he's like playing computer games and he's like go quote unquote like picked up hacking from like watchdogs <laughs> which is so funny which is funny and um yeah and you know they do all these cool things and they're like generally fun, funny people and nice to him. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they crack jokes with each other. And even though there's a bunch of kids in this house with like varying personalities, they all seem like they want to be there. They want to be siblings. And like I said, you, you know, you watch the parents, the foster parents be just really good parents and talk about how they used to be in the foster system too. So they get it. You know, like, Mary's on the phone with, like, a college interviewer, and she's, like, she needs help, and the dad just, like, instantly, like, here's how you do it, and she does it, and And it it, it works, and so they're, like, super supportive, super helpful, everybody's, like, working together, you know what I mean? They're a team, and you see Billy, like, slowly reacting to that. And so then when he's resistant just because of his trust issues, but he's like slowly reacting. So yeah, like you said, then when he eventually is like, all right, hands in and he's like all in on the family, it's believable when he gets the idea to share his Shazam power with the other kids. It's believable that he would make that leap. Yep. You know? Yep. Agreed. Um, I think the one disappointing thing for me about this movie, if I could pick like one thing, I was hoping for that I didn't get uh, it would be some sort of more detailed reference to Black Adam. Mm. So like they they reference Black Adam. They talk about how they a long time ago, the Wizards picked a champion and he was the wrong champion and he like unleashed chaos on the world. And that was like millennia ago. Um, That was more than likely a Black Adam reference. Black Adam's like an ancient dude. So. I don't know in the comics if he actually did the whole, like, he unleashed the seven deadly sins. Like, I don't know if that's I wouldn't be surprised. how far. It wouldn't wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Um, but, you know, it would have been nice to have, like, a reference to Kondok or, like, maybe we see Black Adam or, like, a mid credit sequence where, like, we get Dwayne Johnson in the black suit. You know what I mean? Or, like... You know, maybe, like, you could do it a la, like, old-school Thanos cameos, where it's, like, someone... Talking to someone else. Suddenly you're in this, like, ancient Egyptian-looking area, right? Yeah. And you've got, like, two guys, and they're, like, like, marching down this hallway, and they, like, kneel, and they're, like, Sir, a new champion has risen. And then it just, like, zooms out of the ancient Egyptian area, and you just hear a deep, booming voice be, like, Shazam! You know, a la Black Adam. That would have been dope. I would have loved that. I would have loved to get... I mean, Dwayne Johnson was a producer on this. So he's like all in on the Black Adam train, which is going to be great because he does not do a villain enough. And Black Adam is a deep, dark villain. So I'm very excited for... I'm kind of worried... Okay, so admittedly, I'm derailing here, but there's a bit of me that's worried because I know Dwayne Johnson is very much like... He wants his movies to have, like, positive spins. Like, there was, when he did Rampage, they had to do, like, massive changes in script or he was going to walk because he was like, I don't like movies that have, like, negative messages or negative impacts. And so what I think was going to happen in Rampage is that the monkey was going to die. It absolutely was. And he was, he was was like, no, my movies need to make people feel good. And that's awesome. I love that he does that. And in a way, I think he might be able to use that to be like Danny Trejo, 
who Danny Trejo, he's, he's said in interviews that he always plays like this badass, like criminal character because he wants to show kids that it doesn't pay to be like that kind of thug type yeah. person. So that's how he sees, like when he's playing these like bad, mean characters, he's doing it because he wants like kids to be like, oh, I shouldn't be that. Right. And so I think Dwayne Johnson, if he plays a good villain and Shazam succeeds over the villain that's a really wholesome you know what i mean well and i mean if you look at this movie i went away feeling uplifted and it it felt it built this positive but at the same time mark strong's villain was not sympathetic and was not a good guy and was not you know something that would provide a message of you should do bad stuff kids and i mean the Rock has done a villain before in a movie that had honestly a very similar feeling to this one. If you look at the Mummy, true. I mean, because he was the Scorpion. The kid. Mummy was early in his acting, like his like major acting. But it kind of has and, a uh, similar like. Yeah, it's got a. I would say honestly, it, the know? Doom villain when he was a villain in Doom. Yeah, you know okay, what I mean. That's true. Um, so he's done it before, and that dude was a dick. So. Yeah. Like, he can definitely do it. And I know that's a cheesy movie. I love that movie, though. I love the Doom movie. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just really excited. So I think I would have liked... Like, we definitely got a look at, like, Mr. Mind and stuff. So they definitely set up more Shazam to happen later. Yeah. Um, but I would have liked Black Adam to pop up. So I think, that I think been sweet. for me, this is kind of weird. But the biggest issue that I had with Shazam was actually more on myself and less on the movie. When I go to a Marvel movie and they have, like, weird Easter eggs in the background, I'm like, oh, snap, that's this. Oh, snap, that's that. And I'm getting all excited and I'm freaking out because these subtle things in the background, I'm like, oh, and that's that. No, Mm -hmm. that's that. And I feel really involved and engaged. I have not been immersed in the DC universe for as long. I'm not as involved. I don't know all of the, like, things. Uh And when he walks in to the Shazam lair for the first time, and they show him walking, there's all this stuff. And I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking to myself, that's gonna be a thing. That's gotta be something. that's something else. And I bet that's something from the comics, but I don't know what they are. And so I just get so angry, because I'm like, oh... That's probably something so cool that I don't get. <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be nice when the like Easter eggs you might have missed in the Shazam movie start pop like those, those articles YouTube videos start popping up because there's I I caught a few, um and a few that were like not even like when we like first meet Billy he's in a pawn shop and there's an Annabelle doll, like the Annabelle doll from the Annabelle movies. That's so weird. Is in, and I don't know if, I know, um, I think the chick who plays Mary, like un-Mary Marvel Mary, like yeah. regular Mary, uh, I think she was in one of the Annabelle movies. Oh. But I don't know if somebody who like wrote or directed this was did something with Annabelle. So huh. like, I don't get why that was there, but it is the Annabelle doll. I saw recently there was another movie that had the Annabelle doll in it. I wonder if that's just becoming a Hollywood thing. Yeah, maybe it's just like, let's throw the, maybe it's just an easy prop to get your hands on. And so everybody in Hollywood's like, let's You know what's going to be crazy? What if the, like, because it's, it's not the real Annabelle doll, obviously. Right. it's like a Raggedy, Raggedy Ann doll. Yes. Um, But what if, like, this porcelain, like, Annabelle doll, like, like what if it gets cursed? <laughs> 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 and so it's like getting passed around Hollywood on all these films and then like bad stuff starts happening. That would be really cool. Well, uh, one of not, the things... I mean, that would be terrible if bad stuff started happening to people. But like, I love like urban legends and shit. Yeah. And that would be Well, and so one of the things fun. that's kind of cool too is that I love when they put props in similar movies across different like um, production companies and, and studios because technically, technically technically unifies the universes Mm -hmm. so like if they threw the annabelle doll in like an avengers scene yeah and it's in the shazam movie technically it's it's the same universe it's the same universe and they do that for other things like like i wouldn't be surprised if we saw the annabelle ball pop up in the new child's play like 
It's, yeah, yeah. it's totally possible that this thing is going to just, like, cross all of the universes. <laughs> It'd be true. Um, so, yeah, final thoughts on Shazam. I think it's easily the best DC movie that we've had in recent, like, in their recent push of movies. Um, you know, that's obviously excluding, like, the Nolan stuff and whatnot but like in their in the current dcu i think it is that shazam is the best better than like aquaman was good wonder woman was great better than those i think this is i think dc's finally learned that you don't have to try to explain superheroes to people you don't have to try to make them make sense you just have to have a good story with the superhero and as an origin story like this one didn't feel Sometimes when you do the origins, like the first movie, you spend so much time doing the origin that the like villain bits become really like rushed and condensed. Yeah. And I I didn't feel that with Mm-mm. this one. Like no. I still the villain was still intimidating. The villain got a ton of screen time. Like I said, the movie opens with him. So I feel like this is like Shazam should be the formula people look at when they're building like a new superhero franchise. I can see that. Because it was well casted well directed it was well acted they got really good art direction and costumes and props on there it was a cool setting being in philly you know what i mean like as opposed to just like generic city number a and it was fun and it was fun it was at no point did it feel like torment (laughs) or like you know inherent like just dread it was just it was a fun movie you know, and it was funny by all means, but it was funny in a way that made sense. It wasn't yeah. funny because let's force some jokes down this person's throat. It was yeah. it was funny because it made sense to be funny. I'm gonna I'm gonna hot take real quick. Yeah. I I might even say that this movie's better than most of the Nolan verse stuff too. And I'll say that because I enjoyed them. I enjoyed it more. Uh-huh. Like I, I, I respect and appreciate the the Nolan Batman movies because they were really well done, especially for the time period that they were made. They were revolutionary mm-hmm. and absolutely incredible. But they always did kind of feel a little bit like a chore because. Yeah. They're so dark and gritty and depressing and gloomy and nothing happy ever happens ever, which yeah, is partially what spawned the behavior of the Snyderverse is that it's just, you know, let's make it as depressing as we and can. Gritty and grit which, and grit. Yeah. you know, you can be gritty and not be just like blatantly depressing all the time. Because if you think of the 300, that mm. movie is gritty and dark and broody, but like, they're making jokes while they're stabbing, you know, part of the other army. And, like, it's still lighthearted and you feel yourself like, yeah, and, like, cheering. I never cheered during a Nolan Batman movie. Like, mm-hmm. you're, it, you sort of leave depressed yeah, yeah. because the world kind of sucks. The, yeah. This one, I actually feel like bad things happen, but you can come out of it. Yeah. And that's nice. That's legit. Yeah, yeah. It's a superhero movie. Like I said with Female Furies, I'm not in it to watch the same crap I see every day on NPR. Yeah. And that's, a that's you know, it's kind of what I said about Aquaman and why I think Aquaman worked so well, like yeah. as well as it did, is that I think DC's finally figuring out that we don't have to try to meet the audience in the middle. You know what right. I mean? People will suspend their disbelief. People go out in just droves to see Star Wars, yep. which is a lot of disbelief suspension. You know what I mean? Like, nobody's gonna be like, um, except for the super nerds, but like, Joe Schmo, who goes out to, like, buys a ticket because Star Wars looks fucking badass, isn't gonna, <laughs> like, you know, roll in and be like, um, excuse me, hyperspace would not work that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Karen Tube Top and her three hussy friends aren't gonna go see Star Wars before a night out clubbing and be like, um, how come there's explosions in space? <laughs> it's true. You know, they're gonna they're gonna see it and they're gonna be like, Whoa, that was f- badass <laughs> You know what I mean? And that's what we need. We need like 
we need because marvel is doing that a lot they're trying to meet people in the middle because they were doing very like precise steps to build this universe they put a lot of time and effort into it a lot of money into it and that's what they needed to do but now now that the blocks are all in place and the foundation is set they're suspending more and more of that disbelief which you see in Captain marvel where there's not a whole lot of it's like this thing exploded you got kree powers now deal with it and there's not a whole lot of like how do we make this let's throw in some fudge science and make this make sense well, it's they just did like it with doctor strange go. too yeah and um you know the thor movies are getting less and less like as guardian stuff science. is technology and more like you have lightning powers use them you're look, a god look That's here's crazy. a giant undead dog this is the goddess of death, giant demon destroying Asgard. It's it's like they're they've it moved, is what it is. They've moved away from the like what I call science. You see is magic. That kind of like because nonsense. the audience is there with them already. Yeah, because we get it. We you know we accept it, and they've learned now that they have this foundation that they don't really have to do all that like extra like let's make this make sense. Let's ground this in reality. And DC was trying to do that. They were making things, like, really serious. And they were, like, you know, really, like, trying to find how to make stuff look right and make sense. And, like, toning down costume colors and stuff so that they looked a little bit more, like, realistic. And then they come out with Aquaman and he puts on the, like, goofy, like, orange and green thing. And <laughs> Patrick Wilson's like, call me Ocean Master. <laughs> and, like, you know... They're like, okay, you know what? Comics are cheesy and kind of goofy, but that's why people go to see comic movies. That's why people are fans of comics yep. because it's not the real world. So we don't have to make it this like toned down, subtle movie. It can be extravagant and gaudy and luscious. You know what I mean? We can do all this stuff and make it fun. And that's why Aquaman and uh, Shazam worked. And in an extent, even though I think this was before they really, like, figured that out, it's why Wonder Woman worked. Because Wonder Woman, they set in the past, so, you know, there were kind of, like, drab color schemes and stuff anyway because it was World War II. But it wasn't, you know, it wasn't in a world that was already kind of, like, held down by all the, like, weird react, like realism stuff that they'd been kind of yep. setting up. Wonder Woman was just learning the world and experiencing the world. And they didn't do a lot of, like, let's make Wonder Woman make sense. Like, she was literally fighting freaking Ares in the movie. Yeah. And we were like, okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And Sweet. I mean, it, it... Ares is responsible for World War Two. Yep. Makes sense. I will, too, kind of clarify a little bit that I also do recognize, though, that the Nolan movies were able to be what they were and work because they came out in a time in which both, you know emotionally politically socially we were totally fine watching the real world be super gritty around us that was totally okay but i feel like in today's day and age we're also bombarded with you know constant negative assertions and constant reaffirmations of how bleak shit gets in mm. this world today and the news is 24 7 and things you know are hard and tough and we're trying to work through them and i feel like in today's day and age we are more accepting of a movie with bright shiny neon colors and happy endings because damn it'd be really nice if we could get some of that in the real world yeah right and so it, it's one of those things where we want to extend our disbelief because oh my god stuff sucks when i leave this theater just give me this <laughs> Give me this for this two hours that I'm sitting in this theater. I don't want to think about all the other crap. I want to be happy. I want to be joyful. I mm. want to watch the good guy win. Because no matter what side of wherever you are, you've been seeing a lot of the bad guy winning. Mm -hmm. And it sucks. So let's have some positivity. So in one word, what was the shining achievement of the Shazam movie? Ooh. Um, bus. Okay. The bus scene. The bus sequence was probably the best representation of superherodom I've ever seen. Nice. And I'll say that because when the bus 
he causes the bus to mess up and then he doesn't actually fix anything and people still get hurt and the bus almost kills people Mm -hmm. but he catches the bus and so it's like this big hurrah but like if you look at it that was a jacked up sequence people almost died people got hurt but it was really well done in just showing that, like, you know, you might have super strength and you might be really capable, but that doesn't mean you have any idea how you're using it. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't mean there's not a learning curve. Yeah. It's true. What about you? Um, Collateral damage. I know that's two words. Cheater. <laughs> I, think it, I think it was cool that when people got punched into stuff and, like thrown into things it wasn't all just about like how much destruction can we do like even though he's super strong and he gets punched by somebody who's super strong when he hits a building it does damage but he doesn't like fly through the building and like destroy the entire thing that's just it's excessive you know what i mean and it doesn't make a ton of sense i think in physics (laughs) you know what i mean well and it also is like really bad if you think about it yeah yeah you know. I mean, so bad that they had to literally make Batman's character a pissed off, like, drunk uncle because Superman punched people <laughs> through buildings. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, when he gets, like, when stuff gets destroyed, it's not, like, this grandiose scale, like, look at how much destruction's being caused. It's just, like, oh, that makes sense that that would get destroyed. That's you actually know? a good point, like... The mall was a really good microcosm for that. Yeah, yeah. Because he was, like, getting punched through walls and yeah, stuff. But yeah, but it's just walls, not buildings. So, anyway, that is our uh, review analysis of Shazam. Go out and see it. It's uh, great. It is worth seeing it. If you have already seen it, give us your thoughts. Let us know. Uh, let us know on Facebook or Twitter what you thought about it. And until next time, we will see you right here on Cover B. Thanks for joining, guys.